0: I will be honest, I am now very intimidated to follow that up. (laughs) Let's give them another round of applause. Wasn't that beautiful? Wow. Will you join me in prayer as we continue to worship this morning? Almighty God, we thank you. And we sing to you this morning, glory, hallelujah. For you are the one who receives all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. You are the only one deserving of it. And so, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done for us. And as we recognize this morning those who have sacrificed so much, God, we thank you for your sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice of your Son to save us from our sins. Lord, thank You. And Lord, we pray that we would glory and honor You in the freedom that we have this morning. We thank You for those who have given their lives so that we can have this freedom. And we honor them this weekend. And we praise You for what You've done, for what You're doing, and for what You're going to do. We thank You and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, we're continuing in our series, Empowered, uh, where we are looking at the lives of men and women throughout the Bible who were empowered by God to do great works for Him. So I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and I want you to turn this morning to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you uh, this morning, there are Bibles located in the back of the pews. Feel free to grab one of those. Exodus is the second book in the Bible. Uh, so you're going to go through all the book of Genesis, which is the first book, and you'll get to the book of Exodus, which is the second, and you're looking for chapter 3. And so that's where we're going to be this morning. Now, if you don't have a Bible or maybe you don't have an app, uh, you don't have a Bible available to you. At the end of the service this morning, what I would like you to do is take that Bible out of the pew, and I would like you to tuck that Bible under your arm and walk out the door with it this morning. We want that to be your gift this morning because we want every person to have a Bible in their home that they can read and reference and study um, and check up on me, make sure that I'm preaching the right Word of God. Uh, So if you want or need a Bible, please take one of those out of the pews and Let that be your gift this morning from us to you. Now, today, in light of what the weekend is, what we're celebrating this weekend, I thought it was very appropriate to talk about heroes. So let me ask you a question. Let's start out with a question. Who was your childhood hero? If you go back and you think back to when you were a child, when you were a kid, who was that person that you looked up to? Was it a friend or a family member, maybe it was a mentor, somebody that uh, took you under their wing and and helped you grow and learn and and develop as a person. Who was that person for you? Maybe it was someone that you've never met in your entire life. Maybe that person that you look up to is some famous figure, a celebrity or or a sports person, Maybe it's a completely fictional character that does not exist at all. Who was your hero growing up? And even more, not just who, but why was that person your hero? So take a moment and think about that for just a second. Who was your childhood hero and why? Now, my childhood hero, I had many. Um, One of them was a sports basketball player named Spuds McKenzie, I don't know if you remember Spuds. No, not Spuds McKenzie. Spud Webb, thank you. Wow. 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 How am I going to recover from that one? One of <laughs> One so Those of you who grew up in the 80s know how low I just went. Oh man. So Spud Webb was an NBA player back when I was a kid, and the reason I love Spud Webb was because he was the shortest NBA player. He could dunk a basketball, and I looked up to him because he was short like me. Now, I know the stage adds like 12 inches, but I'm actually a pretty short guy. You can't tell it, but I look towering above you now, but... When I was a kid, I was the shortest one in my class, so Spud Webb was a big deal to me. I thought, man, if he could do it, maybe I could do it. No, I couldn't do it. I, I am no good at basketball at all. But I'll tell you, I'll make a confession. My biggest hero growing up was a fictional character. It was a cartoon character, actually. Optimus Prime. I was a huge transformers fan growing up like the original 1984 cartoon that used to come on in the afternoons when you came home from school those of you do you remember when your kids if you had boys your kids would rush home and they would watch two shows transformers and gi joe okay now my show was the transformers and i loved optimus prime He was the leader of the good guys. He was a big semi-truck that transformed into this big, strong, leader, robot guy. And I feel weird just telling you this. But he was my hero, and here's why. You've heard me tell. I didn't have a great role model father growing up. My father was not a great guy growing up. And then my mom, uh, there was a divorce and all of that, and my mom remarried to a very amazing man who ended up being my hero uh, at the end of this story. But growing up, before he had come into my life, my biological father was not a great guy. And so in my early childhood, I was longing and looking for a, a masculine role model, And I would turn on the cartoons when I would come home from school, and there was a masculine character who exuded integrity and truth and compassion. And because of that, he became my hero. I mean, I had all, uh, I had his toy, I played with him constantly as a child because I just connected with him, because he was the one that I thought I wanted to be like when I grew up. So who is your childhood hero and why? Why why is it that he or she is your hero? Now this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, we honor those who have died to give us the freedoms that we have today. We can worship in this building without worry that policemen are going to charge into this building and arrest us because there are millions who laid their lives down so that we could have this freedom. For some of you in this room, maybe one of those men or women are your hero. But today we're going to look at someone that I think we can all look to in the Bible and say, that's a hero. That man did something amazing. And actually, if you go and read Hebrew uh, texts and commentaries, this man is the most mentioned person as far as being a biblical role model and hero to the Israelite people. And we're talking about today Moses. Now, let me catch you up to what we've covered so far. So I've got this little graphic that I want to show you uh, that's basically a timeline of all the book of Genesis. So we started with Adam at the very top, with creation and Adam and Eve falling into sin, sin coming into the world. Then we moved into Noah. and Noah in in Genesis 7, uh, God calls him to build a boat in the middle of nowhere where there's no water rain hasn't fallen and God has decided to start over to start fresh with his righteousness within mankind and he wipes everything out and leaves a remnant he redeems uh, by uh, letting Noah and his family live then we read a few chapters later about a man named Abram that we're going to learn later is the man Abraham Abraham is called to leave his home uh, pack up his stuff and go Because God has chosen him for a special purpose. And so he goes and we find out he has this whole thing about having a son and uh, inheritance and this and that. And ultimately he has a son named Isaac who he uh, almost sacrifices on the altar uh, because God calls him to. But God stops him. Uh, You can read about that in Genesis. Uh, Then we read about Isaac. Abraham's son, uh, and how he lived his life, how he had two sons, Jacob and Esau, and how Jacob ends up becoming the son of the promise, the son of the inheritance. Uh, And all that happens with Jacob and his struggles with Esau and with God, then we find out that Jacob has 12 sons, and the the leading son, the son that the last part of Genesis really focuses on, is his son named Joseph. And we talked last week about Joseph and, and how God used Joseph, even through the bad and the good, to fulfill his purpose for mankind. That brings us now to the beginning of the book of Exodus, where we will be discussing Moses. Now, uh, if you're not on Exodus 3, get there now, because I'm going to give you kind of a recap of Exodus 1 and 2. Exodus 1 and 2, um, Moses is born into an Egyptian society, where at that time, Pharaoh has deemed it necessary to kill all the babies, the male babies, of the Hebrew people as a means of population control. And so he's killing these babies, but Moses' mother, uh, in courage, saves and hides her son Moses, and ends up putting him in a basket, and he goes down the Nile River, and he ends up with one of Pharaoh's kids. And he grows up in Pharaoh's household as one of these Uh, nobleman. So he gets educated, uh, he gets the best of the best, he he gets to experience cultures all around the known world at that time. Um, He's exposed to things that he wouldn't have been exposed to as a Hebrew slave working in the Egyptian camps. And then we find out as he grows into adulthood that he somewhere along the lines, he finds out that he is not actually an Egyptian, but he's a Hebrew, that he's an Israelite. And so we find out that he starts kind of sneaking in to spend time with these Hebrews, his his actual people. And during that time, he sees a scuffle between an Egyptian and a Hebrew. He interacts, intercedes, and kills the Egyptian and hides the body. Then the Egyptians find out, the Pharaoh finds out, and Moses is forced to flee the country quickly so that he's not put in jail and maybe killed himself for what he's done. And he comes to a well, and he ends up interacting and becoming part of a family of God followers, and he marries and has kids and becomes a shepherd. And that's where we pick up in Exodus 3. In Exodus 3, he is shepherding his flock and he's moving along what we will finally or later find out is the mountain of God. And he is there shepherding. He looks up on the mountain and he sees a bush that's on fire, but the bush itself is not being burned up. And he says, You know what? This is odd. First off, there's a fire. I mean, how many times do you, are you driving through Phoenix, and if there's a fire, there's a pillar of smoke? How many of you are curious about it? We all get curious, right? We all look at the fire and go, huh, I wonder what's going on there. Well, imagine Moses, he's in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere, and he's bored out of his mind because all he's got is sheep to keep him company. If you saw a fire in that circumstance, you would be curious as well, wouldn't you? You would go off and say, hey, I wonder what this burning thing, this bush is. But he noticed that the leaves, the bush itself, was not, the Bible says, not being consumed. In other words, it was not being burned up. So he goes, he seeks out what this bush is. As he gets there, the voice of God himself speaks to Moses and begins to talk to him. And ultimately, the reason for the discussion is because God is calling Moses to go to his people, to seek their freedom, to, to free them from the slavery and the punishment that the Egyptians have them under at that time. Now, here's where we get to the point of today's message. Moses doesn't want to do it. He makes four excuses throughout God's calling. So turn to Exodus 3, and we're going to look in verse 11. Exodus 3, verse 11. We're going to look at the four excuses, and then we're going to look at his final statement. He actually just refuses. He actually says, God, don't send me. But let's look at his excuses first. So chapter 3, verse 11, it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I'm a nobody is basically what he's saying. Verse 12, And God says, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent sent me to you. So his first excuse is, All right, who am I first off, but what am I supposed to tell them? And when they ask me who sent me, what am I supposed to respond with? What's what's your name, God, is basically what he's saying. Then we come to the second excuse, chapter 4, verse 1. So flip over to the next chapter, verse 1. Then Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? And then Moses gives him a set of signs that he can show, miraculous signs that he can show the people to convince them that it actually is God that is sending him. Then fast forward to verse 10. Here's his next excuse. Then Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, I don't speak too well is what he's saying to God. Surely you can find somebody that is more eloquent, that sounds better than me. So, now fast forward to verse 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. He ends it by saying, please don't send me. I don't want to do this. Please, anybody but me. He had all these excuses And he just decides he's going to refuse to go. But the focus here is in chapter 4, verse 11. So look down with me at chapter 4, verse 11. Mind you, keep in context what's happening in this conversation. God is convincing Moses to go do what God has told him to go and do. And Moses is resisting God. So look at what God tells him here. Moses has just said, I'm not very good at speaking. I'm not eloquent. You know, I'm not the guy that should be your mouthpiece because my mouth doesn't work very well. Look at what God's response is in verse 11. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Pretty harsh words. And the reason I say it in that tone, when you read the extra outside of the Bible commentaries, when you read what the Israelite people, the religious teachers of the Old Testament taught about this, they teach that God was rebuking Moses here. He wasn't being gentle and kind in verses 11 and 12. He was getting down and dirty with Moses and saying, Moses, it's time to stop your excuses I will give you the ability, now go. So, Moses makes these excuses and God answers him very pointly, very clearly. Now, how does this apply to us? Here's my main idea this morning. Here's the idea that I want you to walk away from and I want you to think about this week. Here's what it is. Every follower of Jesus is sent for Jesus has called each of us to represent Every single one of us is sent. You, sitting in your pew right now, is sent because we are all called to represent, to represent Jesus and His salvation. Now, I've got a little harsher statement (laughs) there in parentheses. God has a purpose for each and every one of you. He has a purpose for every single one of us in this room, and let me guarantee you right now, it is not sitting in this building on Sunday mornings. Your purpose as a follower of Jesus Christ is not this right here. This is part of it because we are called to come and worship and listen to God's Word and learn from it. But this is only the first step of God's purpose for each and every one of us. You see, God's purpose is about going and applying what we learn in this room on Sunday mornings. You see, sitting in a pew on Sunday does not make you a Christian any more than me sitting in a garage every day makes me a car. If I sit in a garage day in and day out, and I rub oil on my head, motor oil, and I drink gasoline, am I going to be a car? No, I'm going to be a crazy man, right? Right? I'm going to be clinically insane. But how insane is it when we say that we're followers of Jesus, yet the only thing we do is we come on Sunday mornings? How crazy and ludicrous is it when we say, I'm a follower of Jesus, yet the only means, the only evidence of that being true is that you come to church on Sunday mornings. That is just as crazy as me sitting in a garage and drinking gasoline thinking I'm a car. The hard truth is, is that if we come here claiming to be followers of Jesus, we're called to be followers. We're supposed to do something. James said, don't be doers only, but be, or don't be listeners of the word only, but be doers of the word. You see, faith without action is dead as a doornail. We are called to live Jesus in this world. We are called to be Jesus in the lives of others. Now, how do we know that? Because all I've looked at in God's word so far is the story of Moses. And Moses is a special situation. Because I guarantee you, none of us in this room are being called to go to Pharaoh and call people, God's people out of slavery, are we? Well, first off, Pharaoh doesn't exist anymore, so that's kind of hard to fulfill. So Moses is a special example, but what else in God's Word tells us that we are all as followers of Jesus sent? Well, Let me give you a few. First off, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is what's known as the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Did you catch that? We are called to go. That's an action statement, right? It's not a go and sit. It's a go and do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe All that I have commanded you. And behold, catch what Jesus says here I am with you always, even to the end of the days. You see, Christ's last command to each and every one of us was to go and be his hands and feet in this world. Romans 10, verses 14 through 15 says this How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We, as followers of Jesus, every single one of us are sent to represent We are sent by Jesus to be his representatives in this world. Now, let's get a little more into this. I want you to take your Bibles or your apps and turn to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. Um, Romans is about two-thirds of the way through the Bible. You're going to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you're going to get to a book named Acts, and then to Romans So look for those four very American-sounding names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts, then Romans. If you get to anything that ends in I-A-N-S, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, any of those, you've gone too far. You need to back up. So Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be, and we're going to start in verse 3. Romans 12, starting in verse 3. Now listen to what... This analogy, this illustration is to us as believers. Romans 12, verse 3. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, catch this part, verse 5, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member, did you catch that? Each member, every single one of us sitting here, if you're a follower of Jesus, so each member belongs to one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. First Southern, we are called, every single one of us in this room, to do something for the body of Christ. We are all called to be heroes. We, this weekend, remember those who served our country. But just as Pastor Keith said, our loyalty is not to the United States, lastly. Our loyalty is to the kingdom of God and the King who saved us. And we, if we want to honor, if we want to say that we honor those who have served, we should be serving all that much more the kingdom that our true alliance is to. So where are you serving? How are you building up the body of Christ? If you're a finger, great. Function as the finger. If you're a hip joint, be a hip joint. Don't lock yourself in and not act and not move and not do what Christ has gifted you and called you to do. We are all supposed to be doing something. You see, Romans 12, 3, 8 tells us that every single one of us has a special designed purpose for God. God made you special. He made you specifically, specifically with certain gifts and talents and those gifts and talents were given to you so that you can serve the body of Christ. If you're great at accounting, great, use that for the Lord. If you're great with teenagers, go serve in our student ministry. If you love children, go serve with our children's ministry. If you have a heart for those who are shut in or are in nursing homes, join our visitation team. We have so many areas that you can serve in your special giftings, in your special talents. We have an amazing worship ministry here. I mean, every single one of us heard and saw how amazing this is. And maybe God has gifted you in a special, specific way to serve Him in worship. I don't know what your giftings are. I don't know what that special calling is in your life. And let me say this very clearly. If you hate being around teenagers and you can't stand them, don't go serve our teenagers. you see what I did there? Find your special purpose. Some of you in this room are gifted to work with teens, and some of you are not. (laughs) Praise the Lord. As a former youth pastor who did youth ministry for almost 17 years, I can tell you I've seen my fair share of people go in and out of youth ministries that had no business being in youth ministry. But what I'm trying to tell you here is this. God has wired you and gifted you and given you talents for something to do in His church. And you may say, well, I'm just not physically able. That doesn't matter. God will give you what you need to be doing. Maybe you're supposed to be a prayer warrior. Where you're at in your home or your situation, maybe God's calling you to that. Maybe if you have a hard time getting up and around, maybe God's calling you to once a week get up and you can make it here. Maybe he's calling you to get up and go visit someone who can't move at all, who is shut in and cannot get out of their home or their nursing facility, whatever it may be, and you go and visit them and spend some time encouraging them in the Lord. I don't know what your gift is. But if the only thing you're doing is coming here on Sunday morning and listening to a sermon and partaking in worship and then going to a Bible study, that's not God's calling in your life. I can tell you that. I can guarantee that. God's calling is to go and live what you learn from here and in your Bible studies. We're not supposed to be taking, taking, taking. We're actually designed to be giving, giving, giving. And too many of us have gotten lazy and have gotten comfortable with these pews. And maybe it's time that we reevaluate what our stance with God is and what we do for the Lord. And maybe it's time that we take a look and say, you know what? I do have something to contribute to the body. I do have something to give. Let me say this. What is your special purpose? Are you living in the special purpose that Jesus has for you? Are you? Are you serving Him? Do others know that you're a follower of Christ because of what you do, not because of where you go on Sundays? What's your special purpose? And maybe the better question in light of Moses, what excuses are you making? What excuses are you giving to God? Because I tell you right now, God sees right through your excuses. Well, I can't do this and I can't do that. What was God's response in Exodus 4:11? Who gave God who gave man the ability to speak? Who mutes him? Who gives him the ability to see? Is it not I, the Lord? Stop with the excuses and find your special purpose in the body of Christ. Don't be Moses at the beginning. Fast forward, you read the rest of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, you'll find that Moses submits to the Lord and answers the calling that God has in his life, and what does Moses go on to do? Through God's power, he frees the Israelites from the slavery of Egypt, and he guides them all the way to the promised land, all the time writing five, the first five books of the Old Testament so that we could learn and grow in God. Moses became a great man because he finally stopped and submitted to the call that God had on his life. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you for today. And Lord, again, we thank you for those who have gone before us and have given the ultimate price so that we could have the freedom that we have this morning. And Lord, our prayer this morning is this we pray that you would show us what our special purpose is in your body. Lord, we know your word tells us that we are all sent. Now help us to know where to go. So guide us, direct us, and help us to answer those difficult questions in our life. God, we thank you so much for today. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now is the time to respond. And let me say this. If you need to pray, the altar's open. If you want to know more about a relationship with Jesus and the the life-changing hope that Jesus can provide, myself and Pastor Josh will be up here at the front pew. We would love to talk to you. If you need to have that hard conversation with God about where you need to be serving, have that conversation. But if you're not sure, guys, I would give any one of you all of my afternoon to help you answer that question. If you're not sure where you're supposed to be serving, if you're confused about God's calling in your life, please come and talk to someone. Don't be the lazy one and say, oh, I can't figure it out, so I'm not gonna mess with it. No, seek God's leading in your life. God is calling you to something, what is it? And if you need help understanding what that may be, allow myself and Pastor Josh to help you understand that. Now let's respond, so let's stand and spend some time responding with the Lord.